Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 13. Before we get to this week's guest, let me get the usual podcast housekeeping crap out of the way. I know you've heard this before, but for you newcomers, we are on Instagram at the back of the range podcast. We post pictures, provide some clips previewing upcoming guests on Instagram. So make sure you follow us there. Also, we're going to have some giveaways coming up very soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll end up doing the typical Instagram giveaway where you got to tag your friends and all that crap, but but I'm going to do some giveaways within the episodes as well, so make sure you're listening. Also, most of you are listening to the podcast via Apple Podcasts. That is awesome, but before you get sidetracked with anything else, please leave a review. It helps grow the podcast, and I really can't thank you all enough for the support thus far. For those of you that think we can't handle some constructive criticism around here, you are wrong. It's all smoke and mirrors right now, believe me. In fact, that was actually the working title of the podcast for a long time. So if you have some advice, shoot me an email at ben at the back of the range .com. This past weekend, I got out to watch some college golf. And before I tell you where and who I watched, you might want to do the same the next time you have a free weekend. If you live near a university, chances are they do have a golf program. Find out if they do. Go watch them play. Doesn't need to be D1 or D2. You're going to see some amazing golf. Last Saturday, I went to Florida Atlantic University's Invitational in Boca Raton, Florida. It was held at a pretty unique public course called Osprey Point. I went out there to catch up with my old college coach, David Pizzino. <laughs> old. So anyway, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll remember that he was featured on episode two. Now he's the head coach for the University of Connecticut. The team finished runner-up to the local favorites, Lynn University. Lynn is Division II. Uh, they are flat-out beasts. Um, all five of their players finished in the top ten. Uh, their number one player, Toto Ghana, he's from Chile. Um, that dude played in the Masters, uh, 2017 Latin America Amateur Champion. Uh, really impressive players. But the individual champion was uh, from UConn. He's their uh, junior co-captain, Jimmy Herval. Um, he shot, you know, this is a little, for all you hacks out there, uh, that's me included, but he shot 15 under par for three rounds, 64, 67, 70. That's 201 using the new math. So, Jimmy, great meeting you, great playing, and best of luck the rest of the season. Um, you know what else is crazy about UConn? Uh, those guys haven't hit a golf ball off of natural grass in the state of Connecticut this year. So, that's pretty impressive. Also, after going to watch some college golf, I actually recorded my first in-person episode Saturday evening. So yeah, I had to clean up the studio, get rid of the empty bottles of Yoohoo, and actually show some sort of professionalism. Thankfully, the subject was my longtime friend, Greg O'Mahony. We talked about his experience Monday qualifying into PGA and web.com events and playing in Europe and some of the, just some of the funniest stories I think I've ever heard about life on the road as a professional. That episode is going to be a monster, and you can expect it in May. So keeping with the college theme, let's get to this week's guest, Marissa Masana. She is originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She's wrapping up her senior season at Clemson University. She's the only senior on the team. She's working on her master's degree while playing golf, 
because, you know, when you've been on the ACC academic honor roll for three times, I guess that's what you do. Personally, for those of you wondering, I got a 900 on my SATs, mainly because I broke my favorite crayon halfway through the exam. Moving on. Marissa is the career leader in rounds played at Clemson. She is the first woman to qualify for the U.S. Amateur while at Clemson. So she's smart and she can play. So Marissa, thank you for making time to join us here at the back of the range. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. So we've been trying to catch up with each other over the last couple of weeks, and you thought it'd be a good idea to go ahead and catch a cold before we recorded this episode. <laughs> so where are you uh, wellness-wise? Are we at, like, Tiger Woods broken leg territory in the 2008 oh, US okay. Open, or or we just have the sniffles? No, no. It's just a head cold. Um, I'm a Florida girl, and I'm here in Clemson, and during the winter it can get a little cold. So uh-huh. I... Uh, you know, I try to bundle up, but I think it got to me a little bit with playing and qualifying the past two days in a row. Um, it was a little bit of cold conditions and windy, but um, but I'll be just fine. No worries. Well, you're, you're a brave soul, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll soldier on and see what we can come up with here. So you just mentioned Clemson, so we'll let the cat out of the bag. You are a senior on the ladies team at Clemson University. Yes, technically I've graduated. Um, I actually... Um, finished my degree in communications in three and a half years um, because I chose to stay over the summers to train and practice here. I figured, you know, I have awesome facilities and coaches and I wanted to make the most of that, um, you know, while I had the opportunity here. So while I was here over the summers, I would take a few classes and um, and it allowed me to get ahead in my schooling. So um, that worked out really well, which I didn't really think about um, in the long run, but it worked out to where I could finish my undergrad and start a grad program um, this year. So now I'm actually um, a grad student in human resource development. So it's been going very well. I'm very happy with how it's worked out. And Great. Well, I guess keeping the game sharp and then keeping the mind sharp, that, uh, that kind of <laughs> yeah. helped you out get everything uh, accomplished and, and get your coursework in early. So i got to ask you, before we get into your, your start in the game and your, your achievements at Clemson and, and outside of Clemson, let's drill down into a real, really serious, hardcore question here. Okay. Is dabbing still a thing? <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Um, I'm not a big uh, dabber, I guess you'll call it, myself. Um, but in Clemson, yeah, I would say uh, a lot of the college athletes have fun with that. Um, you know, whether it's on the football field, you'll see Deshaun did that last year um, a few times. And I guess Coach Sweeney has uh, has done that as well. I guess it's fitting with his name, Davo. Okay. Um, and then on the course, I actually did do it with a teammate of mine, Anna Paula, uh, when we see each other across the fairway. I guess it was last season, maybe two seasons ago. Uh, we would do that back and forth with each other so that was kind of funny that you mentioned that um so yeah i guess it's still going okay i just had to you know we, we do a lot of investigative work here at the back of the range golf podcast so we we, we go after the hard-hitting questions i i just had to get an answer to that so so thank you for, for clearing that one up so you you mentioned yourself florida girl um kind of give me the the quick snapshot of how you got into the game and what was your experience like playing golf in south florida I loved sports growing up, um, and I wanted to do everything that my older brother did when I was little. So, um, you know, I started with dancing and gymnastics and everything like that. Um, but really, my brother played golf, and so I wanted to play golf. It got to the point where I kind of decided I was going to stick with golf and soccer. 
and um, and then I hurt my ankle, and so that kind of ended my soccer career, I guess you would say, and I decided that I'd probably have more opportunities with golf anyway. So um, that was by uh, high school. I was only playing golf. I would say I started taking it very seriously in seventh grade. Uh, I actually transferred from um, St. Gregory to American Heritage, which was an awesome school that allowed you to play on the high school team as a seventh grader. So um, I got to play with really awesome high school players who went on to play in college and are now even playing on tour. Um, you know, Lindsey Duncan and, and Paul Arita was another player um, that was from my area who's now doing very, very well on the professional tour. So that kind of gave me the opportunity to learn from better players and get two extra years playing high school golf. Um, and I actually got to win three state championships. Um, I have an awesome coach, Coach Mosier, who I still stay in touch with, and um, my teammates that are also playing in, in college still. Uh, also, our men's program was very successful, and so there's some great guys that are now playing in college and, and professionally as well. So um, that was a really cool start to my golf career, I, I would say. I've had several interviews here so far where you just you can't stress enough having a great foundation in the game, um, not just with an instructor or with a school, but um, having good, you know, family support that really take care of your your upbringing as far as golf. How important was it for your family to support your interest in golf, and how do you think that led into your success? That was huge. I mean, um, I am super, super grateful for my family. Um, they um, have always been very supportive of me and have always pushed me to do great things. It was a little tough because we're actually, um, you know, very you know strong Catholic family, so. My entire family went to St. Gregory and then St. Thomas, which is um, a big high school in my area. And um, for me to transfer to American Heritage was a little bit uh, risky. I guess everyone was kind of like, it was almost our rival school, you know? And so I was like going against the grain there um, and making that move. And it was definitely uncomfortable for me. Uh, all of my friends and like I said, all my family were, were kind of on that track that everyone went on. And I left and went to this school that, um, didn't necessarily have the same culture of, um, you know, the Catholic faith and um, family background that I was used to. Um, but I knew it would be worth it for my golf career. And academically, they, it's an incredible school. American Heritage uh, really prepared me for college and, um, and all around. It, it was a good move looking back, and I, I'm very grateful for it. So you're, you're doing well in high school golf. You obviously, with, with the numerous state championships that you won in American Heritage, you know, now it comes time for you to make that decision of, okay, uh, I'm going to play collegiately and then deciding where you're going to go. Clemson, uh -huh. so when, obviously when our listeners think of Clemson, I would imagine they're thinking of, of the strong football program and all, obviously, it's a, well, it's a Division One school, so obviously strong athletics. Yeah. But Clemson didn't have a ladies golf team at the time, did they? No. So how that happened was actually, um, you know, my freshman year, I did start looking at schools. I kind of made a list of um, the best academic universities. Uh, and then I looked through and matched which ones also had very successful golf programs. You know, I made a list and that was at the same time that my brother was going to school. Um, he had a golf scholarship at Anderson University, which is a division two school. It's 30 minutes from Clemson. So while we moved him into school, um, I decided to take advantage of that time to um, to visit a few schools that were in that area. I visited Duke, um, UNC, 
and Clemson was the other school. And so they had actually just put out an article, I think it was in Golf Week magazine, announcing that they were to have a women's golf program. Um, but, I mean, it's an incredible athletics department, so I figured, why don't we just go check it out? So uh, Coach Bird, the men's assistant coach, actually gave me a tour. And um, technically, I was the first recruit that they ever had, and I was amazed. I mean, I was um, really mind-blown by, by what they had. And at that point, they hadn't even finished some of the newest facilities that they have now that uh, we're still working on. And then I guess it was a year or two later when I started getting more serious in my visits and um, talking to the coaches, um, I came back around and I visited Virginia. And um, that was kind of like my school that I wanted to go to. I thought it was awesome academically. And um, so I was touring Virginia and on the way home, um, I had been in communication with the, with the coach at Clemson. And at this point, um, they had announced JT would be our coach. So on my way back, I actually decided, okay, let's go check out Clemson one more time. And um, and when I did, I just, I got that feeling, I guess, that everyone says that you get when you know that that's the program. Sure. And um, I kind of reevaluated my decision of uh, feeling as though I was sent on Virginia and um, decided to commit to Clemson. So without you naming names of the universities that you were looking at or that may have been looking at you, did you turn down full athletic scholarships at other universities <laughs> to go to Clemson? I did, yes. Um, I think that was a little heartbreaking for my, for my parents, too. <laughs> um, hearing about the, the names of the schools that, that I had to say no to, it was tough. I mean, um, especially as a as like 15, I guess, at that time. I don't even remember how old I was, but... Um, it's pretty amazing that you have these opportunities to get full scholarships to these incredible institutions. And I guess you could say courting you, trying to get you to go sure. to their school, and you're saying no. I mean, um, pretty incredible. What was the most unique gesture that a university made to try and get your attention, to try and have you come for a visit or potentially go there? <laughs> and, you don't, um, and you don't have to mention the name of the school. We don't want to, you know. Yeah, it's Wow, the nicest gesture. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was just a handwritten note um, that, that really was, was very special to me. And just, I think it was the way that coaches uh, would sell, tell themselves and how they would show such an interest in my success that um, that really caught my attention. I think that was special when, when they would say, like, listen, I see your strengths, I see your weaknesses, and I see how we would work well enough together um, to be able to execute and, and do great things. And that was what kind of motivated me to to speak more closely with those coaches. Sounds like sounds like you made the right decision because you've, yeah. as, as you said, you've you've raced through your academics. You're already on to your your graduate program. So so let's talk a little bit about the success you found on the golf course at Clemson. Tell me a little bit about your your day to day experience. Um, what it takes to be a Division One athlete you know your workouts your your balancing mm -hmm. studies kind of for people that are listening that that don't really understand what that looks like and what kind of a time uh time commitment it is you're not just the the regular student on campus what are your typical right. weeks like yeah um it's definitely uh different than, than most people that aren't competing and playing sports with the athletic department they're only allowed to require 20 hours a week of um of practice time so that's including workouts and training and, and playing on the course um so you know that would be a typical week but i mean that's kind of for golf i would say almost the minimum because it's, it's so time consuming 
um, you know, that's not including your warm-ups and, and other additional drills or things that you might have to do. Our schedule is pretty regimented with being the same every week. We've always had 6 a.m. workouts on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, and then we, we practice in the afternoon. So, um, you know, we normally try to get all of our classes done between 8 to 12 and then have the after, afternoons open for, for our practice. And um, we have qualifying. It, it's really changed, uh, you know, semester, depending on the semester and everyone's academic schedules. Uh, but that'll probably be twice a week or so before um, going into our tournaments. Now, uh, when we are traveling for tournaments, we're gone for five days at a time. So that's uh, the most out of any other sport here that you'll be traveling. You know, most, you know football game, it's one day and then sure. you're done. Um, but with golf, it's normally a three-day event. There's a practice round the day before, and then you have a half day traveling before. The athletic department has been incredible with providing us tutors and academic assistance that allow us to get caught up on all that school that, we, that we're missing. We're expected to keep up, and we're expected to be doing work while we're on the road. Sure. So it's tough. I mean, we're, we're playing, you know, all morning and all afternoon and competing, and then we go home and get our work done at night. So, um, so it's a lot. But you know, at the same time, it's really just balancing – um, you know, enjoying the process and, and realizing that we're also getting to travel to some incredible places that I would probably never go to if it wasn't for my sport. So, so it's great. I mean, we do find an hour or so every now and then to go on, on some tour while we're on the road and see the city. But no, but it's great. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a lot and it's different. And if you're not committed to your sport, I would say it could be miserable. If you're just doing it for the scholarship, that's, that's not going to work out very well um, because it's a grind. It is, but um, I just think that that it's really worth it in the long run, and it's and it's been great. Well, you mentioned balancing academics, so I I have to congratulate you for for winning the Elite Ninety Award, which is the top student athlete in terms of grade point average. You were awarded that at the twenty seventeen national championship. Is that correct? Yes, that is. So that was just you know an amazing year. I would guess not just personally, but also for your program. So. You win this award as the the top student athlete, is you know academically, and 2017 was the first appearance uh, for Clemson women at uh, at the national championship for golf. So walk me through that entire week when you're at the national championship. How special was that? Um, you know that was amazing. That was uh, definitely a tough week. I, I think about the conditions we were playing in. Um, we were in Chicago, and it was in the 30s, 30s. Yeah, I think it was 35 degrees outside. Uh, raining and 30 mile an hour winds. So that was an interesting uh, golf outing, I would say. I think that it was the that first doesn't round. sound fun unless you're in Scotland. Yeah. But, you know. I know, right? It was definitely a test of our grit. And um, and so it was a good learning experience. Um, you know, our, our team did okay, but really I think it was just, um, you know, being at that level of competition for the first time was great for us. Um, we broke through as a program. Uh, making it from regionals, which is a, a really special event, onto uh, the national championship, and just being able to represent Clemson and and start that legacy that we've always been wanting to um, to leave for for our new women's program was pretty cool. And how often are you asked about like how do you sell the the program at Clemson when you have uh, friends or you have junior golfers that mm-hmm. you may see when you're back home in Florida or just when you're traveling around the country? Um, how how would you sell Clemson as obviously you're one of the top uh, representatives for the for the program I would imagine so how do you sell the program? You know 
it's a really easy sell, to be honest. I mean, uh, the environment here is, is really unparalleled, I feel like. Um, this athletic department provides everything we could possibly need to be successful. I mean, like I said, when I, when I first got here, I mean, my freshman year of high school, when I first got here, I was, like, blown away by the facilities and, and all the resources that they have available. Uh, and then by the time I got here, my freshman year of college, it had improved and I was just, I was mind blown. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how can anything get better? And I'm not exaggerating every year. It's gotten better and better. And their goal is honestly to provide their athletes with the best experience possible. Um, so they're constantly looking to see what they can do to improve and, and open to suggestions of a way to make it better and asking for our feedback, um, looking at other athletic programs and seeing what they can emulate and, um, and really do anything they can. I mean, um, our football program is, is awesome, and, and Coach Sweeney has um, his saying, as best is the standard, um, and they really live up to that. I mean, they try to do everything that they can, and, um, and it's led to be an incredible experience. And in 2015, you became the first Clemson woman to qualify for the U.S. Amateur. Yes, yes. So tell me about your qualifier. How are the qualifiers for a USJ event different than maybe your, your uh, intra-squad qualifiers or playing collegiate tournaments what skills did you bring from from Clemson to that qualifier that was actually a pretty interesting experience for me and that was almost kind of um uh I guess I would say uh what's the word uh, a little bit of a turning point in my career actually um so that was after my freshman year of college um that was a great first year I came in there kind of thinking that I was going to learn from the other really um, successful girls that had already been on the team that I was hoping to, to work with and learn from. And, um, and I think I did make very significant improvements. Um, and, but unfortunately, we didn't qualify for the national championship that year, which I thought would probably be the only time that we wouldn't qualify. So um, I kind of took advantage of that time and actually studied abroad in Spain for a month, which is something that um, I've always wanted to do. Um, I am 50% Cuban, and I always kind of want to work on my Spanish and, and really see another culture. So um, during that time off that I had, I went abroad, um, and I did bring my golf clubs. And I, that was, you know, something that was a very big um, learning experience for me as, about myself and, you know, being dropped in the middle of this foreign country and figuring out how to get to the golf course and literally walking around with my golf clubs on my bag to the streets of Sevilla and going on the subway with my clubs and making friends with the members uh, at the club in order to get a ride home. And uh, <laughs> so that was really cool. You know, I felt like I was kind of taking some time off, even though I was still practicing, I wasn't able to have the resources and facilities that I was used to. Um, and they weren't as accessible, nearly as accessible as they would be if I were to be home. So, you know, I practiced a little bit, but I was a little nervous because I felt like I was taking some time off. And I knew that that next week that I got back, I had the USAM qualifier. So, um, you know, I was hitting it okay when I got back, but um, it wasn't really uh, as well as, I didn't feel as well prepared as I would have liked to. Um, so I, I was playing in the qualifier. I think I had three holes left, and it was starting to rain really, really hard. And so we actually had a little bit of a rain delay. Um, I went back out. It was still raining, and I kind of had this thing hit me that was another reference to Coach Sweeney. He says, the harder it gets, the better we play. And that's what he lives by. He always tells his guys that. And so I told myself that. I was literally walking down the fairway. I remember saying to myself, the harder it gets, the better we play. <laughs> so 
I ended up making birdie birdie on the last two holes to finish. And that got me into a qualifier. I'm sorry. That got me into a playoff um, to see if I would qualify for, for the tournament. So I went into the playoffs. Um, I got through, I think, I don't know, five of us that ended up getting through the qualifier. I can't remember the exact number, um, but I qualified. So that was huge. I mean, that was something that I can still remember, you know, the shots that I was hitting going into those last two holes to finish birdie birdie. Um, and, and then the experience at the USAM was unparalleled. I mean, like I said, the, the way that the USGA runs that event was unreal. And um, I met people at that event in Portland, Oregon, um, that were that have become lifelong friends now um, and have really helped me with my career. And, um, you know, even beyond golf have just made me a better person. And it's, that's just one of the examples that I have of, you know, how golf has led me to, to become a better person and, and meet some people that um, I'm so grateful for. It's been, it's been really a blessing, truly. So you, another thing that you kind of hit on right there that I'm just going to expand on is, you know, when you go mm-hmm. travel and you play these tournaments, you know, it's not just from, you know, hotel to the course, then back to the hotel to study and then do it all over again. You said you're mm-hmm. getting some, doing a little bit of sightseeing, you were mm-hmm. um, meeting people. So what are some of the experiences that you've had at these college tournaments that most people just would not be aware of and some of the people you've met and um, yeah, some of the things you've seen? Because most people might think that college golf is just, you just go to the course <laughs> and play and that's it. Yeah, I would say it's all what you make of it. Uh, it some girls, would, you know, they look at it more uh, like a business stretch where some people try to make more of the opportunity and go sightseeing. Um, and that also depends on your coaches, you know, what their style is. Some coaches are more regimented with, with your schedule, whereas others will let you kind of be a little bit more, um, do things on your time. So um, I tend to err more on the side of a business trip, um, but I do make sure that I set aside a little bit of time to see whatever it is that, that's going on in that, in that city. Um, and definitely people. I love engaging with people and learning from others. So, um, something that's pretty cool is sometimes we have host families that will open up their homes to us and we actually stay in their house um, during that week that we're competing Um, and so through that I've been able to form some really great relationships with amazing people Um, and so that's been a lot of fun in Oklahoma every year uh, Toby Keith opens up his home to us and actually hosts us um, for a dinner one night and he has a beautiful estate in Oklahoma. And this is also tied in with a, as, a, as a fundraiser event for the OK Kids Corral, um, okay. which is for cancer patients that are in the area. And um, their families are actually able to stay there with them instead of staying in the hospitals while they're receiving treatment. So we go in and interact with the patients. Um, and then we kind of maintain those relationships as well by either sending things to them, kind of having a little pen pal system. Um, and, and it's fun because you get to go back every year. I think I've been at that tournament all four years, I believe, that, that I've been here. And, um, and going back and checking on some of those patients and seeing how they're doing. Um, and just seeing that, you know, we're making more of a difference than you think by, by competing. But by using that platform um, of golf, we're able to, to contribute to the society. And, and that's huge for me. I think, um, you know, my overarching goal, I feel like, is to be a contributor. So, um so it's allowed me to do some really cool things like that. I just, when I think of Toby Keith in golf, now I know he plays and I would imagine that he has played in a handful of pro-ams, but did you ever get to play mm-hmm. golf with him? Cause, um, yeah. he's, he's um, kind of a character. He's not, the, 
Yes, him and Trish, his wife, are awesome. Um, they are both there at the event. Um, he wasn't necessarily playing in one of the groups, but he would go around and hit a few balls. Um, and, and so he was great. You know, it's, it's really cool just really interacting with people that have achieved something at a high level, whatever industry that's in, you know, whether it's an athlete or a musician. Um, it's, it's very cool to see what their habits are and to learn from them. And, and also, you know, to be, for them to be so open with us and inviting us into their homes. I mean, it's, it's really cool. It's, um, it's something that I'm very grateful for. And, and it's funny because you think that, oh, you know, yeah, it was cool meeting them. But then when you go back the next year, they remember you and you would never sure. think that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, how are you doing? And they'll ask you specific questions that you're just really kind of like, wow, like, oh, wow, they're really interested in my success. Well, I'm sure that was thrilling to to hang out with Toby Keith and his wife uh, during that tournament. But as far as a lasting impression that someone could leave on you, uh, you have to tell me about meeting Condoleezza Rice. Um, she actually hosts the tournament that Stanford hosts in California. So, um, so she was there on the final round of the event and spoke. And it's really striking listening to such powerful people speak. Um, and that's kind of what inspired me. And so that was a really cool experience. Um, really just getting the, to be around her and, and um, that, that tournament in itself was a very good experience as well, playing with, with other great players that were there. Um, and then it was pretty cool when she was invited to be a member at Augusta National. Um, and the other woman, um, Darla Moore, uh, was also invited to be a member there. And I kind of formed a little bit of a relationship with her my freshman year because this was just an introductory communication course that, that all freshmen are required to take. And one of the assignments is to interview the person who has the job that you want to have one day. So um, I literally typed that in Google, and Darla Moore's name came up. His, she was ranked, I think, as uh, the most successful businesswoman in Forbes magazine a few years ago. So uh, ironically, she had some connections with golf and with South Carolina um, because her father uh, went to Clemson, and so uh, the School of Education is actually named after him, Eugene Moore. And so she still does support South Carolina, very much so. After a long chain of events, I ended up um, having an interview with, with Darla Moore. And so that was a phone interview. And I really was just interested in learning from her and, um, you know, asking what she does to be able to achieve something at such a high level. That inter interview was so interesting, and I've learned so much from it. And, um, you know, I try to reach out to her every now and again. Um, that is just so interesting to me. Well, it's great that you're making these contacts with strong women in the business world, but you can't gloss over what you just said. Tell me about your experience playing Augusta National. So we had breakfast and we're kind of sitting there waiting for an hour. And um, I got a coffee, which uh, at the time I wasn't a big coffee drinker, but I thought it was a good idea. It was kind of cold outside. And um, so on top of my adrenaline from being able to play Augusta National, I had a coffee and I was like bouncing off the walls. So, yeah, I was, I mean, my hands were shaking, and it wasn't even from nerves. It was just excitement. And then, to be on the first tee, the nerves kind of come in because you're like, man, you're sitting on this tee box where people have made history, you know? I mean, it's, like, not just any any other golf course. This is, like, uh, you know, a huge, huge opportunity to be able to walk on the same course where, where literally history is made, and, and it's so significant for um, for golfers. So, um so, yeah, so playing was great, and, and it was just very special. So um, something that I'll always remember, and, and also it was very cool because now when I watch the Masters on TV, I can say, oh, hey, yeah, you know, I hit it there, and, 
And, oh, yeah, I had that shot. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. Well, I only have about 47 questions to ask you about your experience <laughs> at, the, at, at Augusta National. But um, so we, we all, listeners know the course. They know the, um, you know, they know the history. Can you give me anything that surprised you about the place? Um, just something that isn't the standard. Um, yeah. yeah, I actually, I had never been there before, not even to watch the tournament. So um, I was struck by the undulation in the fairways, honestly. Uh, there's a lot of elevation changes that just aren't picked up on camera. And um, so that was pretty significant. Um, and just walking with the caddy, it was fun because, you know, for me, I didn't know where, where the things were going to be sloping and where the best plays would be. So uh, my caddy would just be like, okay, hit it there, go there, and I would follow. And then I ended up putting together a score of 74, and it was pretty cool. You're like, oh, wow. You know, like that was, uh, that was, that was not hard. But, but, of course, you know, I had, I had the caddy that kind of led me through it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I did almost make a hole-in-one on 16, which was pretty memorable. I was about a foot away. Uh, um, where, so was, was where was cool. the pin? Where was the pin? Uh, the pin was, was that front left. Um, you know where that little pocket is? So yep. you actually hit it just right of the hole and it funnels in. I remember my caddy saying, okay, you see that tree behind the green? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, just go right at that. So I had a hybrid in and I just went right at the tree. I took my ship. I start walking. Uh, you know, I, I was like, wow, I hit that perfect, honestly. Um, but didn't think it would actually end up that close to the hole. And they're like, oh my gosh, Marissa, look, it's funneling towards the hole. And I was like, oh, wow, it really is. And it keeps it moves over there. And it was kind of behind the whole coming back, and it almost trickled in. I kid you not, it was put away. So um, so I tapped it in, and, and that was fun. Wow. Well, that's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a great memory from Augusta. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have an unrelated question for you. Um, I've, I've noticed that the pace of play is really an issue. How do we get the pace of play improved in junior golf so that it, helps out at the collegiate level what what can be done to improve pace of play in your opinion yeah um i think that people need to be a little bit more efficient between shots um to me i don't have a problem if people want to you know walk around the hole check out the slopes to your putt um and really make sure that you're making the best decision to be able to execute the shot uh, where i get frustrated is when i see people shooting their distance right when it's their turn to go. You know, I feel like we need to be able to be making those decisions and, and getting that work together uh, while the other person is hitting. Um, and, of course, being respectful and doing that quietly so that you're not interrupting them. Um, but that's something that I think we should really stress on is being more efficient between shots and, you know, maybe walking with a little bit better pace, walking ahead. Um, of course, behind the person, like I said, you don't want to interrupt their, um, their shot. But uh, that's where maybe... I think the AJJ does a great job with their policy of the first person to finish going to the next tee box um, to kind of keep things moving along while the other two people stay back and finish the hole. Um, I think some people say that it ruins, um, I guess, I don't know if it's the etiquette of the game or, or you know, the um, that kind of camaraderie. Um, but I think it's just it's great. Like they say, it kind of saves you an hour, really, at the end of the, at the, end of the day that, I think you can do something else with that, you know? Sure. Um, and so I think that's where we can really be disciplined with making sure that we're on top of the players and moving things along um, in for the pace of play. You mentioned that your ambition is to play professionally. So your 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 time at Clemson is, is coming to an end. What are your plans to, to make that happen? Are you going to play in a mini tour? Are you going to do LPGA uh, Q School this summer? 
what uh, what are your short-term plans? So um, what I'm doing this semester, this is actually uh, the first semester that I am considered a full-time grad student. So um, the grad program that I chose to do is actually a part-time program um, that's for business professionals that are working nine to five, and then they're able to do their classwork at night. So um, what I've decided to do is to replicate that, you know, business lifestyle of working nine to five um, on my golf career. So, um, so I'm training and doing everything that I can um, during the day, and then I get my classes finished and my work done at night. So um, I think this is kind of simulating a professional golf career for this semester. And then I'm going to see if by the end of the semester, I feel like I'm prepared to where that would be the best decision um, to, to go that route moving forward, which um, I think will be the plan because I will have one more year um, of my grad program that I'll have to finish. So, um, you know, like I said, once May comes, I think I'll be able to sit down and really make that decision of what the best move will be. But um, I would probably go to Q School in August and, um, and see if, you know, how that goes, whether I play um, as a professional or as an amateur, I'm not sure. I'll have to talk to my coaches about that and get some different advice on uh, the best route to take. But, um, but so far, I think, uh, you know, that's the, that's the ultimate goal. And so I'm just trying to do whatever I can on a day-to-day basis to make sure that, um, that I'm ready to, to do that when the opportunity comes. So you're staying pretty busy. Oh, yeah. Um, that's never a problem with me. I, um, it's definitely self-inflicted, I mean, no doubt. But um, I definitely pack my days to the minute. <laughs> so for people listening to the podcast that are either junior players or in high school or playing collegiately, why don't you tell them what your typical day looks like as someone that is gearing up to play this game professionally? Um, so I'll take you through my Thursday, I guess. So tomorrow... Um, I wake up at 5.25, and I uh, literally put my clothes on, have a snack, brush my teeth, and go to the, go to the gym where um, we have to roll out, and we're expected to be there, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before our workouts start at 6. Um, that's just something that, that our team has always done. It's not really required by the coaches that we have to be there at that time, um, but that's just kind of our standard. And so uh, we do that. Our, our trainer starts us at 6 a.m., um, and it's an hour and 15 minutes of wait. Um, and then because I have the time to, to dedicate towards, um, towards golf, I stay and do an extra cardio or explosive circuit um, to help me right now because that's really what I'm working on is trying to get more explosiveness to the ball. So, um, so I'm normally finished there by 8. Um, and then I go over to Miri, which is the west end zone of our football facility. And um, that's where all of the academic athletic advisors are. So we have, you know, our study hall, our computer lab. Um, there's actually a whole, um, they call it like a market, I guess, where uh, we get five swipes a week where we get meals. So it's not uh, a dining hall. That's probably to come in a, in a year or two. They might expand on that. But right now it's just a smaller market. So I'll go there and pick up some food um, for the day and then maybe get some work done go back home um, and I kind of set up my day. I'm very planned and regimented. So I have like certain exercises that I have to do at certain times. I like to start off. I've actually gotten into Headspace, which is an app that, that our coach just got for us. And um, our performance mental coach has introduced to, to our team this semester, which um, I've worked with in the past, but now, like I said, because I have the time, I can really be disciplined um, with doing some meditation work. And uh, that's been great. I love starting off my day with that. 
and then I'll go over to our facility um, and, and I'll practice. I have certain things that I have to do, drills um, that I'm working on for, for certain things that I need to improve. And then I'll have lunch. I normally pack my lunch in the morning, so then I'll like stop and have lunch for a little bit. Um, and then I come back and, and we'll have practice um, starting at three o'clock this semester. So our practice block is from three to six with our team. On Thursdays, uh, we actually do have our mental coach coming, uh, Corey, and he'll work with us for an hour in our conference room and then we'll go out and practice. I finish up around six o'clock, I have dinner, and then I get to my homework. Man, I'm uh, I'm tired. Yeah. Just, I'm just tired thinking about all that. So, yeah, <laughs> no, my- I love it. I mean, that that really does. I, I'm a doer, I guess. So, so I love doing things. I don't like sitting around. So, um, if I have an hour break, I'll go play racquetball with the guys' team. Um, you know, like that's my break. So, Josh Edmonds actually the USAM champion this year, who's on our team, uh, and the two seniors, Josh and Peter, um, they're really good friends of mine, and so. Who is okay? So, so you you mentioned Doc Redmond. So, give me the uh, so when you guys are battling it out on the golf course, um, <laughs> any any shit talking between uh, you two? Uh, give, me a, give me a good story between the the reigning USA. Actually, if you need any help with any shit talking, just tell him like, yeah, I would just tell him like, look, I've already played Augusta National. You you go have fun. Um, you know, this year, but I, I've been there, man. It's, it's, it's no, <laughs> oh, he's going to be playing there a lot more than I am. Well, I mean, he's playing yeah. the masters this year. <laughs> I, I know, but, but at least you could have told him like, yeah, I've already played that course. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've been there, done that. So, yeah. So, no, so, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely go back and forth. Um, you know, I, I have an older brother, so I get along well with guys. I was always surrounded by guys growing up when I was younger. Um, just because my brother's, my brother and his friends are my friends. That's who I hung out on the golf course. So, um, you know, I can take it. I'm definitely uh, going to give it back to you. But, um, but it's fun. I think uh, it's an awesome time for guys. They, I mean, I've learned a lot from them, honestly, um, whether it's just a little chipping contest that we do um, or playing with them on the weekends. They're really good about going out there and playing all the really nice courses that we have access to around, around something. Um, so, so it's good. We have a little competition. Um, and that kind of simulates some of the, you know, competitive environments that I try to replicate that we see on in tournaments. So it's good. I think uh, I've been very lucky with even since my freshman year, um, the, the men's program has been has been very welcoming and, and helping, um, you know, get me ready for whatever it is that, that I have coming up by playing with them and being open to ask questions and say like, hey, you know, what do you think about this type of shot or hitting this type of shot? And, and they're very knowledgeable, you know, they're great players. And, and that's, a reason why I came to Clemson is because I knew that they've had successful programs and something that I can learn from. And, and I have, well, that's, that's great. So it sounds like the, the men's program almost sold you on the women's program. They did. I mean, they, they have definitely set a great foundation. And so I had confidence in that. And, um, and then being able to, to start my own legacy, like I said, it was just very appealing to me. And so, um, you know, our coaches definitely, um, illustrated that idea when I was being recruited and it hit home. I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to take risks. I want to do something different. Um, and we have. And now time for a quick bucket. I'm going to ask you just a couple other questions. We have a segment here on the back of the range called, uh, called the quick bucket. And, uh, these are just a couple random questions. So the first one is, Jack Nicholas won the 1986 Masters at the age of 46. 
Tiger Woods currently has four green jackets. So which one would be the more substantial victory? Jack's victory in 86 or Tiger's fifth green jacket? Oh, wow. Uh, I would say Tiger's fifth jacket um, just because of the adversity that he's experienced. Um, if he's able to come back from that, then I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I mean, not to, to undermine Jack's career at all. I mean, that's, that'd be incredible as well. Um, but to me, I think how you handle adversity um, is very impressive. And Tiger Woods has definitely experienced some adversity. So um, I think that would be a little bit inspiring to me if I were to see him be able to bounce back um, from what he has. So that's why I would think his fifth, uh, his fifth win would be very significant. Good answer. Next question for you is we've seen uh, over the last couple of years um, the spring break uh, hijinks of uh, Ricky Fowler and Smiley Kaufman and Spieth and, and, and JT. So give me your spring break trip and who would you, which one of your friends or who would you take that would match up with the personalities? You know, Spieth seems to be kind of the, the steady level-headed of the bunch. Fowler seems like the ringleader. Smiley seems like, well, you got to keep an eye on him. Um, oh, my gosh. So, and then JT, I think, just kind of seems to be the one on behind the camera that's kind of documenting it for social media. So um, include yourself and then, three, uh-huh. and then three of your friends, and who would they match up with as far as the personality goes? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, my mind immediately goes to the men's program here at Clemson. Uh, they all have uh, great personalities. And when, when they're on the course or when we're um, you know, together even off the course, they're all hilarious. So um, <laughs> this is too funny. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm probably I'm closest with Peter, Josh, and Doc. Um, on our med team, and uh, they're all very different personalities. I would say everyone's probably recording Peter for for his dancing. Um, and um, <laughs> um, also, I would say uh, on our women's team, Anna Paula and Kennedy are um, are some pretty funny characters as well. Um, nice. So, uh, final question: You can give a major championship to anyone in history. Um, male, female, alive or dead, zero majors, 18 majors, can't be yourself. Mm-hmm. Who, who would you like to give a major championship to? Um, you know, I, I'd like to give it to my assistant coach, uh, Coach Heather Bouillon. So um, Heather's first year coaching was, was last year. She had um, a 17-year career on tour, uh, on the LPGA tour, and she has won once before, and um, you know, I look up to her as a mentor. Uh, she is an incredible person to have on our team. And, um, you know, just kind of picking her brain on what she did in order to win and and um, and really compete at such a high level for such a long time. I mean, that's a pretty healthy career that, that she had. And she's a great person. She's a great coach. And um, to be able to, to be surrounded by someone who um, who has worked hard and done everything the right way that it seems that she does, um, I would love to be able to give her a major championship. Great answer. Great, great answer. All right. Well, Marissa, you just made it through. Um, I really appreciate the time uh, here at the back of the range. Uh, really uh, great information, great insight, and great stories that you're able to share. Uh, we really wish you the, the best as you chase down the 
well, you're chasing down a lot. You're chasing down the professional career. You're chasing down the, the, the graduate degree, but wish you the best. <laughs> and uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on Clemson throughout this year as they make their way towards another national championship appearance. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And there you have it. Another great episode here at the back of the range. Thank you very much to Marissa Masana for joining us. Also, uh, congratulations to Alice Hewson, her teammate. She won the individual title at the Clemson Invitational this past weekend. Uh, Clemson came in third, so awesome showing. So congrats to everyone there at Clemson. Thank you so much to the athletic department for supporting the podcast. Next week is Masters Week. We have something special for you. That's all I'm going to say. We'll see you next week at the back of the range. <laughs>